I had a lot of fun creating this segment, and some of the ideas are pulled from industry leaders, thought pioneers. I just came from a conference, a World Congress, where the whole title or mantra is to redefine medicine, to create a personalized or unique approach to solve problems on a global level from the smallest health concern to overwhelming chronic disease. It's just fascinating being around about 5,000 forward-thinking minds. With that in mind, you know, I had a lot of fun creating this, coming up with a uh, title, and I surveyed uh, many of you in my audience about what might be a um, fun yet still tasteful title, and the, uh, the the winner was Becoming the Bedroom Hero. And so this is part one of probably 10 parts of the uh, the, the session here, and I'll, I'll wrap up with a final segment as well. Although this primarily focuses on, on men, there's obviously two partners involved, and there'll be some uh, sprinkling in of things that relate to the female partner as well. So I first want to start just by de- defining the problem, and I work in the men's health space primarily, and it always surprises people when they hear these numbers. They think that it, it can't be that real, and the reality is that they're probably even higher than what current statistics are, are showing because people, well, they don't like to talk about it. It's embarrassing. They feel that they can share this with their personal physician, and uh, so it's, you know, it's either suppressed or repressed, or it's water cooler talk, and the information isn't really uh, all that accurate or applicable or actionable. So just a few statistics, Uh, you know, in terms of men, sexual dysfunction, erectile dysfunction, by the age of 40, about 52% of men suffer some form of sexual dysfunction. Obviously, with age and health problems, things can deteriorate, and that number hits 70% around the age of 70. It's probably even higher than that. It's just really hard to exactly precisely estimate this. I see a fair number of teens that, you know, deal with this issue, and it's primarily probably a stress-related issue. There are certainly other factors to consider, such as low testosterone. There are some endocrine things that can cause this, uh, medications and side effects, uh, lifestyle. You know, I see a fair number of, of teens and college kids that are, are quite overweight, and that has a huge impact on sexual health. And so those are just a few things to take consideration uh, for younger people out there. It's always important as a, you know, a medical professional to think about it from a heart or vascular standpoint. For most men, uh, blood flow problem is primarily the most common uh, cause of ED. can be other things, though, as well, as I mentioned, medications, side effects, particularly high blood pressure medications, antidepressants. A lot of those tend to have sexual side effects. Diabetes, alcohol intake, illicit drugs, hormonal problems, and something that's often overlooked also is trauma. I see a fair number of, of men that have been involved in car accidents, uh, maybe had some back surgery, worst case scenario, a pelvic fracture, and that all can potentially affect and interrupt or disrupt blood flow. So it's, it's not just a single entity for most people, uh, but it's important to rule out some of the other things. So, uh, you know, I know a lot of people listening to this probably want to just take a pill and forget about it. That's a common mindset, at least in American uh, health and mentality. Uh, for, unfortunately, the patients that I work with often want more than that. They want a, an answer. They want a robust solution as opposed to just taking something and, and ignoring the problem. And that kind of will get to some of the things that I'll talk about in subsequent segments where we can deliver some targeted treatment to actually fix or solve the problem. 
I want to move on and, and back to the obesity issue. Uh, you know, obviously being overweight has its own health implications, but one of the biggest things in terms of sexual function is the belly. Just looking down at the belly, if you have somebody who's got a very large abdomen, it's actually the fat around the organs, the visceral fat that is in, is a um, active endocrine organ. And what happens is there's an enzyme called aromatase. And what aromatase does is it transforms testosterone into estrogen. And although some quantity of estrogen is beneficial in both men and women, obviously, uh, having testosterone sh shuttled into this path is detrimental for sexual function, sexual health, and some other issues, which can, you know, be easily seen with, uh, you know, men with large uh, breasts or man boobs. That's a sign of estrogen dominance, among other things. The other point I wanted to bring home is when the issue is addressed proactively, which makes many cringe at the thought of going and actually talking to somebody about this, you know, the, the early stages of ED are a sign of generally something else. As I mentioned, you know, a, a side effect from a medication, a lifestyle choice, smoking, alcohol, illicit drugs, a variety of other things. And so if intervention can be directed at the early stages, the outcome long-term can be different, not only in terms of ED and sexual health, but also heart disease, diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, all those other things that go along with not only diet, but also lifestyle choices. As the problem persists and becomes, you know, what's called late stage in medical parlance, there's actually some structural damage that's already been done. The vessels are damaged. They're likely blocked, just like the arteries of the heart can become blocked. There may be some other problems with the veins uh, or the nerves. You know, people with diabetes long-term actually affects the function and health of nerves, just as a diabetic patient can get some neuropathy, numbness, tingling, pain, burning in their feet and legs. The same thing happens throughout the body, including the fingers, but also for the purposes of this uh, discussion, uh, erectile dysfunction and sexual health. Um. The next point to bring home is that it uh, is there's a lot of things that are available on the internet, and people cross their fingers and hope that what they're getting is actually what they they think they're getting. Uh, but the reality is, a lot of these products are tainted. They could be toxic. They could be adulterated. Sometimes they contain active ingredients. Other times, it's purely a placebo effect. And unfortunately, I've seen some patients with some unfortunate, uncomfortable, unpleasant results from what I'll call a gas station medicine, so to speak. So the final point to bring home is uh, there is a condition called priapism. It's a painful sustained erection. It's abnormal. It's something that cannot be ignored at the risk of penile health. I've seen patients in the emergency department with this, and the, uh, the condition can damage the penis itself, including long-term effects with blood flow and nerve function. So uh, take that in mind, no matter what solution you are seeking, discuss all potential side effects with your prescribing person. And I'm going to talk more about the gas station medicine issue and why that's often not a valid approach and some of the potential consequences that could result from that type of behavior. So this is just part one, just the introduction. I think I rambled on a little longer than intended, but I'm going to be talking in the next section about some exercise tactics for uh, men's health and performance and moving on to nutrition, biohacking, uh, some novel techniques and treatments for ED and, uh, We'll wrap it up on segment uh, nine. We'll, I'll tie things all together for you. So I'll talk to you soon. As always, let me know your, your questions. And uh, I hope you found this educational and informative. As always, rely on somebody you trust, your doctor, your local provider or practitioner to get the answer that you need and deserve.